Welcome to this study that we're doing on the book of Joshua. Uh, we're doing it in, well, I think we're doing it in actually seven weeks. So it's going to be a blitz through the book of Joshua. Uh, this week we're focusing on Joshua's chapter 1 through 5 and paying special uh, attention to the crossing of the Jordan. Now last week we talked about the idea of how Joshua was able to be strong and courageous. And so I encourage you to look back at last week's message to be able to catch up and keep up to where we are today. But for today, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. Uh, Joshua chapter 4, if you don't know where the book of Joshua is in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. People worked really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right, right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. Now, that may not seem like a terribly important piece of information, but I trust me, it's absolutely critical to what we're talking about today. So, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for the time we can spend here looking into your word and trying to understand things at a deeper level. And Lord, as we're looking at your servant Joshua and all the pressures that he was facing and all the things that they were about to undertake in terms of conquering the land of Canaan, I pray, Jesus, that we will be able to understand what Joshua's world was like, and then we take those principles, Lord, and we apply them to the world that we're in today. And so, Lord God, um, may you be honored by what we do with your word today. In your name I pray. Amen. So, as I mentioned, uh, there's a lot of things that are taking place in the book of Joshua. And a lot of it actually has to do with what it means to be a faithful follower of the Lord. Now, if we were to give sort of a, uh, a thematic line or a statement that's going to encompass everything we're talking about today, it would be, this. Whatever we emphasize from the past impacts the present. Well, let me say that again. Whatever we emphasize from the past impacts the present. And so if we're emphasizing those things that the Lord has done in our, in our lives in the past or in the lives of the people that we know and are familiar with, and we see His faithfulness in there, if we emphasize that, well, that's going to have a dramatic impact on our present because we will lean into the faithfulness of God in the present because we trust it from the past. Whatever we emphasize in the past impacts the present. So where are we in the story? Well, up until now, we know that Moses has passed away. There's a transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. We know that Joshua leads the nation of Israel into the promised land. And God gives Joshua assurance. And again, we talked about that last week and I encourage you to go and check out that video as well. He rallies the Troops, he gives priests instructions to carry the ark on the, um, just ahead of them, the ark of the covenant. And the priests were to step into the river fully confident that God was going to allow them to pass. 
And then after crossing the Jordan, they were to camp in Gilgal. And after crossing the Jordan, uh, they were to take 12 stones from the river that they had crossed as a reminder to them of what the Lord had done. And so what I find in this story, especially as you're looking at chapters 3 and 4, is that I find a question and then three very important principles or truths that we need to look at. One question and three truths. And so uh, I want to share those with you today. And so here's the question. What do memorial stones remind us of? What do memorial stones remind us of? Now, these are memorial stones that they're told to grab and, and, and to use and take to the place that they will camp. And we certainly understand from the story that Joshua tells them also then to place them in the middle of the Jordan while that water was held back. I'll give you a little bit of context. When God holds back the water in Jordan, uh, or the Jordan River, what becomes really important for us to understand is that the time of year is a time where the Jordan would have been swelling because of uh, either flooding from, you know, as things that we understand in, in the farming world, uh, field runoffs, all that kind of stuff. The, the Jordan had risen and it was believed by many scholars to be a time where the Jordan River would have had strong currents, it would have been tumultuous. And so when they're standing and they're looking at the notion of crossing the Jordan, this would have been a really intimidating venture, especially when you're talking about the number of people that they were trying to cross with. So that becomes really important as we understand the context of the story. So when we say, what do the memorial stones remind us of? Uh, there is this indication that there is an object that has our attention and it reminds us of something. And very often we do that even in our own homes. We have uh, we have trinkets that we carry on from our, or we bring home from holidays, or we have photo books and these sorts of things. These are items that hold memory, and they hold these memories of things that we find valuable, experiences we've had. Uh, sometimes we hold on to things because of the sentiment that they have with us in terms of relationships, or maybe even in terms of life lessons that are learned. So, what do these particular memorial stones remind us of? as we're talking about Israel and crossing the Jordan. Well, I think the first thing that they remind us of, and it's specifically to remind Israel, is that they belong to God. Israel, they belong to God. Joshua chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, verse 3, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down to the place where you will stay tonight. And then in verse 7, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones, listen, are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, it's interesting to note that Joshua instructed Israel to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan where the priests were standing while Israel was crossing. And the middle of the Jordan represents this, the deepest part and the innermost part of this river, where the water would have been most flooded, most turbulent, most rigid. Now, I want you to imagine the scene. If you are one of the 12 that's asked to go to the middle of this space where, where the Ark of the Covenant is, where, where the waters seem uh, to be at their potentially scariest, and the amount of trust that you need to have in God holding back those waters while you grab this stone, hurl it onto your shoulder to take it to shore. It's significant. 
It's very significant. But it also happens twice because you got to remember that in the story, Joshua then also tells uh, the tribes to take 12 stones and bring them back into the middle of the Jordan and to create an altar there as well as a reminder. And so they did this twice. And so there had to be a significant amount of trust in who God is to be able to do that. And so these stones were gathered and transported from the raging waters and were delivered to a safe place away from the angry streams. And each tribe had to carry one stone and, and put them uh, to a place where they stayed in safety for the night. And they find interesting that each tribe had to carry one, and, and there was 12 of them. And this is this language of completeness when you talk about the numbers uh, in, in the Bible. The 12 often represents a, a notion of completeness and, and, and wholeness, as did the number 10 and, and number 7 and number 3. So there, it's just interesting what they do with numbers. But each tribe had to carry one. And these stones were to become a reminder to all of the succeeding generations. Like everyone that came next was to be able to see these stones and remember what the Lord had done in them. That they were completely now free of Egypt. They had left Egypt behind. Uh, they've died to their old life of slavery and are now to fulfill what God desires from them. They were now officially forever, uh, not that they weren't before, they were certainly God's people before, but they had to remember that they were God's people and that the God that they served, well, he was faithful and he was victorious and he was able to do the things he promised to do. So he promises them that they're going to take the land of Canaan. They see the river Jordan uh, just as something impassable and then God does something remarkable. As a matter of fact, he does something that we, before ever hearing the story, uh, before hearing of the story of the crossing of the Red Sea, this is something that probably wouldn't really en enter our minds in terms of the imagination of what it means to cross something that tumultuous. And so what God does is, is he says, listen, I told you you're going to take the land of Canaan. This thing right here, this hurdle in front of you, I got this. And he stops it. And they then need to trust in him and not live fearfully. They need to trust in him to fulfill what he says he will do so that they can fulfill what they're called to do. And it's a pretty amazing story. Uh, so they've died to their old life of slavery and they're now to fulfill what God desires of them. And this memorial was a reminder for their identification that they are God's people. You got to remember what this thing uh, was there for, right? It was to remind all the future generations and even the current generation uh, of what God did here. And what God does here is honor the fact that Israel are a people that he calls unto himself. It's pretty awesome. Second thing would be this, to remind Israel to be confident in their identity. You know, previous to this, Israel, for the previous 400 years, they lived in slavery. Joshua, for example, was born into slavery and is now a leader of a free people. And, and there's a transition that needs to take place in there. And that transition is how do I, who all my known history in terms of my people, in terms of my closest history, we've known ourselves to be in slavery. How do I now then live as a free, confident, victorious, conquering people? Because this is what they're being called into is to remind Israel to be confident in their identity. Joshua chapter 4, verse 12. 
The men of Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, listen, ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. Look, the second thing that happened in this whole story, you know, in terms of you've got these stones that are being erected, the second thing that happens is that they cross over the River Jordan and something strange took place among them that we didn't really read before. These men of Reuben and Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh crossed the Jordan with this new identity, this new purpose, this new direction, a sense of self that they didn't have before. They were fearful before, and now they're walking into it with a significant amount of courage. And so they're now fully armed and ready for battle. There's about 40,000 of them. No longer were they faint-hearted or fearful. No longer were they worried about the outcomes of the battle, but these were now men that were courage filled, and they were daring and and fearless. Why? Well, because they had this confidence in who God was, and confidence in who God said they were. And so when you have confidence in who God is, which then enables you to have confidence in what He says you are, you're able to walk forward into something with a greater level of confidence and a greater level of courageousness. There's a trust that's there because it's not any longer about you, but the one who goes before you. And something's changed deep within their hearts as they cross over the Jordan ready to conquer. Those 12 stones are a memorial to Israel that they passed the wilderness and are now strong and ready to fight the enemy. Uh, Some have suggested that crossing the Jordan was this movement from the people who were the slaves to the people who are now the conquerors, no longer slaves. It is fascinating to me that water often um, is used in the scripture as this transition space where you were one thing and now you are another. Uh, Sometimes, um, especially as we, we talk about things like baptism, for example, the whole picture within baptism is that when we go under the water, we are dying with Christ. When we come out of the water, we're made new, we're alive in Christ. And and so we're resurrected with Jesus. It's this amazing symbolic picture of what's taking place in terms of that reality internally. And so it's this idea that when they cross the Jordan, that they're moving from wilderness, they're moving from slavery, they're moving from being nomads to now moving into a place where you are no longer a slave and you are now the owner of this land. You are a conqueror. You have victory. So I sit here and I wonder, is it really possible that a person can be that confident when they are now identified with Christ? And I think we can. Look, this idea of the old passing away and the new coming. Uh, Philippians 4 13 is is one of my favorite passages when taken in context. Uh, It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What are we talking about in the book of Joshua? 
They're looking in front of themselves and they're like, I, got, I, don't, I don't have this. Like, I, I can't stop the water. I, I, I can't conquer these giant people and all that stuff. And then, and then in the midst of this, God says, don't worry about this. I'm going to give this to you. Be faithful to me in it. And, and it really resonates with me when I read passages like Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, when they talk about the all things, it's the all things that God calls us into. That's the context here. And so if the Lord calls me into something, I can do it because he's the one strengthening me in it. In other words, it's still about him. It's not about me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's not my strength. It's not my wisdom. It's not my fortitude. It is him. And it's always about him. And I get to be part of the story. And I really believe that this is our resurrected life in Christ. And we no longer have to live in fear. We are no longer slaves. We are conquerors. We are, we are more than conquerors, the scripture calls us. And, and so it's just fascinating to me, all the themes within the scripture that tie together when we talk about being one thing and moving to another thing. We can have confidence in our identity, in who God says we are, our identity in Christ. And I find that awesome. And then this memorial stone well, it's, it reminds them of that, that they can have confidence in the identity that they've been given. Uh, thirdly, I believe that these memorial stones are set up to remind Israel that they have a mission on earth. So they, they can uh, know that, that they're confident in who God is. They can know that there's something different taking place. They can, they can know all these beautiful things. But part of that knowing is that when God does things, he often releases us into something more. Joshua chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 say this, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us we had, and we had crossed over. He did this so that, listen, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. So Joshua told the people that day after crossing the Jordan River that this incident would be a lasting witness to all the peoples of the earth. That's pretty awesome. And, so, and the purpose is that they know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that they will fear the Lord. And that means that Joshua is telling Israel that they have a mission on earth, that they are to be a witness to God's faithfulness. And these stones remind them of that. As a matter of fact, if you look throughout the narrative of the scriptures, every time God does something pretty amazing with the people of God, they erect an altar or, uh, or some kind of stonework as a place of memory. So they're to be a witness of God's faithfulness. They are to be a testimony of God's power. They are to be a light to this lost world. Does any of this sound familiar yet? And there are actually two monuments that have been built in this memorial to Israel. The first had been set up in the bank of the river, while the other had been set up in the middle of the river. And the first one in the middle of the river is a reminder of the faithfulness of God and what he could do. Now, I want you to picture this. If, 
If the Jordan at this point is at its highest point because of the flooding and everything, then when the water recedes a little bit, those stones, those stones are still going to be breaking the surface of the water. And so you'll be able to walk past the Jordan. You're going to look out into this river and you're going to see these stones that are above the crest of the river. And you will constantly be reminded of the work of God in that time. That's pretty awesome. And then second to that, um, sorry, uh, the one in the middle of the river is a reminder of the faithfulness of, of God and what he can do. And the one on the bank of the river is a picture of the faith of the people and what we could do when we depend on him. So one is about his faithfulness in the middle of it, and one is about what we're able to accomplish when we have faith in him, are guided by him. And I find that awesome. I believe that God alone knows what's going on in our hearts. That we might have personal struggles. We may have a crisis in life or facing some insurmountable problem. And when you've trusted him and he's brought you through those difficulties, we're really essentially told that we should never forget these things. Uh, we got to build that monument in our heart where God can... Uh, where God can see it and where you will never forget it as long as you live. That this, this monument in our hearts that remind us of his faithfulness and what we're able to do when we're faithful to him. And because we've trusted in God's faithfulness, our faith will grow even stronger. It, 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 it's simple math. We trust God. God is faithful. We overcome whatever it is that we're walking through with his strength and it gives us confidence to be more faithful to him and have more faith in him as we walk forward. And we can do great things for him because of his faithfulness. We must never forget that we have a mission on earth and we share the gospel to the lost world and bring them to the knowledge of God. Now, in our Christian walk, there is a significant event that takes place, generally speaking, in terms of the history of Christianity, that's at the front end of our Christian experience. We accept Jesus, and then this memorial or this moment that we enter into that we look back on and say, that's where I outwardly express the faithfulness of God. That's where I outwardly set up that monument of memory of what God's done in my life, is this thing that we call baptism. You know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. When we go under the water, we die to self. We die and are buried with Christ. When we come out of the water, we are resurrected to new life with Jesus. And this is this memorial moment. When we consider that baptism isn't about getting right with God, it is about the fact that God did a work in our lives and this is our first act of surrender to him in our obedience to this walk in Christianity. And this idea of going under the water dying, and being buried with Christ, coming out of the water, being raised into life in Christ is this picture of the gospel. And so to some extent, our baptisms, these are not rites of passage. These are not things that we do in order to be able to be more of a Christian adult. These are not the things that we do in order for people uh, whose history tells them that they need to get married, need to do this in order to be able to get married. This is something so much more significant and so different from those other things. Because A, 
You don't need it to get married. And, and that's significant. But B, there is far more meaning in it when we truly understand what's taking place. So one could say that our baptisms are very similar to these stones that were erected in the middle of the Jordan. When the waters are coming in all around it, it stays. It's present. It's solid. That memory cannot be taken away. And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. And in the same way, in our own lives, that is a reminder of God's faithfulness for us. So after the Israelites crossed over the Jordan, Joshua gave instructions to uh, a representative of each tribe to take the stone from the river that they crossed and set up this memorial. Uh, but they weren't to worship these rocks as if they were a visible indicator. Um, sorry, they weren't to worship these rocks, but they were a visible indicator of what God had accomplished before their eyes. God showed up and showed off among them. And as you look in the scriptures, you'll see over and over again, God encourages people to remember. As a matter of fact, even on the night that Jesus was betrayed, we talk about the Last Supper, he says, do this in remembrance of me. He's constantly calling us to a place of remembering. So they were to celebrate all of these feasts and holidays to recall what God did in their past as a reminder of hope for their future. And that's why we as believers celebrate communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As believers, as Christians, we must always be true to our faith and never forget our heritage. These are important things for us. We, we need to remember these things because, again, whatever we emphasize in the past impacts the present. And if we're emphasizing the faithfulness of God during the most difficult circumstances and times that we have in life, then we're going to be able to lean on that faithfulness in the present with whatever it is that we're dealing with. It's no wonder that God commanded Joshua to erect those memorial stones for generations to come so that they'll never forget God's faithfulness. We must never forget the great things that he has done. Never forget the meaning of those biblical moments. For example, the real meaning of the rainbow in the sky. We must never forget that. Because this is God reissuing his covenant with man and, and this solemn promise of never to destroy the world by flood again. It's the real meaning of this rainbow, the sign of God's covenant to us. And we must never forget the meaning of water baptism, ever. And never employ new meaning into it, just what it is. Leave it as is. Because what it is is critically important to us understanding the faithfulness of God, the gospel of God, the good news of God in the lives of those of us who have accepted Jesus and His desire to see the world come to know Him. And the only way for us to not forget is to go back to what the Bible says and to hold on to its lessons until the very end. So why do we need to remember? Well, we need to remember because it helps to stifle doubts about God's love and His power. It really does. When we go back and we remember these, these incidents that we see in the scriptures, it, it talks about how powerful God is and it talks about his faithfulness to Israel. He, it, there's this old axiom that says, if God will bring you to it, he will bring you through it. And that's really true. It's, it's where it is. If he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. And it's all about his activity, right? 
um, how about this? It allows us to be broken out of our egocentric world, our world that tells us that it's all about us and not about him. And I also want to suggest to you that it helps us fight temptation. If we understand and we look back on these things, we say, God, you were faithful to me in this. You prove your power in this. You helped me walk through this. Then when those temptations come, we're able to power through them through his guidance and through his help. So what has God done for you in your life that maybe you've forgotten about? And will you begin a life of remembrance? So here's what I want you to do. Every single person that's taking in this teaching, I want you to go outside. I want you to find a rock when you get home or if you are home or wherever you are, find a rock. And use this rock as a symbol of what you need to remember about what God has done in your life. And it can be any rock you want. I don't care where the rock is from. It could be, it could be from outside. It could be from a store. Whatever it is, find a rock and use it as a symbol of the memory of what God has done in your life. You might be losing all hope. Let this rock remind you that God is the God of hope. And begin getting into the habit of recalling what God has done. And what better way to pass on your spiritual heritage to your children? It's amazing. So here's the truth. The truth is, whatever we emphasize in the past impacts the present. And my encouragement to you would be this. Emphasize the faithfulness and the power of God from the past so that it impacts your present towards Him and it blesses you and the those around you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are the God who is present. I thank you that you bring us to places that remind us of your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to remember your kindness and your goodness and your uh, faithfulness to us in life so that we can have that impact our present and direct our future. In your name I pray. Amen.